It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company. ESPN Las Vegas. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Here is Circa for the next two days. We're upstairs on the third floor of Circa, downtown, Mountain West Conference. Football media days. Damon is back in the Finley Toyota studios. JVT is here. He's very familiar with the building. Did you work this morning downstairs at the uh, VSIN studio? Uh, no, this morning was over at South Point. Oh, so. okay. So I made you come all the way down here. I thought it was going to be real convenient for you. Uh, no, but uh, to be full disclosure, I love coming down here. Okay. So, you know, at, at home I play it up. Like, oh, man, I got to drive all the way circa. You know, I got to go so far up north. I got to drive in the heat. So far up north. Right. But then in reality, I'm like, right. it's, 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 look, it's, it's not because I'm a company man. It's my favorite property, one of my favorite properties out here in Las Vegas. Love it out here. That's a good vibe. That's the good thing. Yes, it's the vibe. Yes. It's quiet it's, today. It's quiet downstairs. It's a vibe. As the kids say. Yeah, it's funny. I was over at your uh, VEASAN studio and uh, was reminiscing. This is not much of a flex, but, uh, you know, back in the day when uh, when we first came out here, I like to speak of myself as we, but when Sportsman Radio Network existed, JT the Brick was the, the big talent at, at Sportsman. Um, we had a studio at Mandalay Bay. Oh, yeah. And that was thought to be like, oh, my God. Broadcasting from a sports book, right? And then uh, we did it from MGM Grand, which that sports book's moved like seven times. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was able to tell the story a couple weeks ago about uh, what the hell was it? Oh, the bite fight, Holyfield and Tyson. The bite fight that I was in the building on that Saturday night, and there was, a ra- there was a rampage after the fight, and we're like, "What the hell is going on?" Then we thought we heard gunshots, and afterwards they were like, "Oh no." Some some fans knocked over some barriers, and it sounded like it. And sure, um, we also told the story. Being there that night uh, after the bite, you know, there was a lot of unrest. People came rushing out. Um, tables got flipped over. Chips got grabbed. And some prominent Hall of Fame-type athletes were, were kind of rumored to be scooping up chips. They gave them back. Everything's on camera. But anyway, long story short, when I was, uh, you know, and I'm not often in your studio downstairs at VSIN, but they've got, you've got a beautiful studio, but it looks over what is the most spectacular sports book we you know we've seen in the evolution of sports books? So I was thinking back to Mandalay, looking out, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, it's pretty cool. Mandalay book is still pretty nice. Yeah. But what uh, Derek Stevens has done here, and by the way, we're going to talk to Mike Palm in the four o'clock hour. This book down here for locals, if you've never been down here, it is crazy. The size of the screens and and they got it all fixed, right? Yep. Poor Derek with the freaking water pouring through the walls. Uh, you know. And they actually, they, I think they just redid the carpet. I don't know if it's done. I haven't been yeah. down there for a week, so they were just redoing oh, that. Oh, I wonder if it has a new carpet smell. I yeah. love that. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, also, the overhang is the best part. So, you know, there's machines all on the overhang. I like the overhang. So on Sundays when I would get done with my shift, I would, you know, kind of sneak up there, see if there was an open slot machine, and just sit there and play video poker and watch NFL football. It's awesome. So we're set. Yep. We're set. Uh, today we're grabbing some of the players. So later in the show, we'll have conversations with uh, San Diego State's tight end, which Mark Redman, which, by the way, I'm very, you know, kind of hits you from season to season. You're not always caught up on all the sports. And I'm like, they're not playing San Diego State in this yeah. new alignment. Uh, we also talked to Cooper Lagat. We might play that tomorrow. We'll probably have it up online later tonight. He's the quarterback for Utah State. I, did we give him bad information? 
he seemed like blown away that there's no divisions left in the conference. He's like, oh, it's the first time I'm hearing of it. I'm like, I, I mean, does it matter to a player that it's now, you know, a straight through conference, right? That, that is official, right? There's no more divisions. One of the players was like, huh? What? That's the first time hearing of it. I'm like, crap, maybe I'm giving him bad information. No, now, I mean, now Blake Anderson's going to come over tomorrow and be like, well, that was a motivation point. I was going to spring on them right before the season. You ruined it. Right. I mean, I guess it's, it, it is, it's a testament to, to Anderson because they're, just, they're so focused on football. They have no idea what the schedule is. I'm sure if we gave him the first game, he's like, what? That's where we're playing? All right. It's like, I'm just ready to go. So. Remind me tomorrow before Blake Anderson comes on to, uh, to mention that. Wow, yeah, just like, yeah, exactly. I got to soften the blow just in case. He gets all mad at us. What if he goes the other way? What if he gets pissed? He's like, I told these guys like 10 times what the new debate was. They don't listen. They're not studying. <laughs> I don't know. Cooper was interesting. Uh, we spoke to some Air Force players. They're always interesting as well. Kind of a different breed of player. Uh, we're going to talk to a guy that we really like, and he's on the comeback trail, Naki Fahina. Mm-hmm. Love watching him play. Um, and sort of the story of UNLV football and also the Mountain West, you know, a guy who – wasn't heavily recruited because of measurables, but has turned into a hell of a player and, and maybe even more special off the field as a leader. So that's coming up. Um, UNLV football schedule is out from top to bottom with the TV notes. Did you see this? Uh, yes, I was looking over it. Okay. Good for you. You get some TV opportunities. Uh, good for you because you're part of the broadcast too. So that's if right. you're available, you get, you're going to get to uh, do the radio side of things. You know how much uh, – you know what? I will admit this, and what John's talking about is Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network kind of fills those gaps when games don't get picked up. So the Bryant game at home, the opener, is on local TV. Mm-hmm. The Hawaii game here will be on local TV. Colorado State game here will be on local TV. And this is the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, which is uh, what Cox 125 and then 5.2 HD. And – the San Jose State game, the season finale, is also there. And then there's going to be a feed from Reno. i got to figure out how that's working, who we're it's – not, you know, it's not my job. It's way above right. my pay grade. But how that's going to be on TV. So there's actually, um, in the end, five of the games are on the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. So that's, that's kind of cool. And, you know, you can't make everyone happy. I, I had mentioned this when the schedule came out uh, a while back that there's not a lot of night starts. Yeah. Right. And I know, you know, old coach Marcus Arroyo, I don't know that he complained about it, but, you know, they were a morning team, just like Odom, just like you have to be in Vegas because you have to practice early in the morning. And then all of a sudden you play all these games that might be seven and eight o'clock Pacific time. The then Mexico you got, game was like an eight o'clock start. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then you got to train your team in terms of the body clock that week to kind of peak at the right time. But yeah, this year's schedule has a ton of games in the middle of the day or early in the day, like at Air Force is a 1230 start. So some people like that. Some people don't. I mean, I think I always think it's good to have the late spot only because more often than not, you know, the people who really enjoy college football and are watching from beginning to end, it's pretty, I would say, easy to get lost in the shuffle. You know what I mean? In the afternoon and yeah. in the early morning. Yep. And, and at night when it's, hey, man, standalone ESPN and CBS Sports or whatever it is, especially in a sports gambling community, like that's pretty strong getting some of those night games. So I, I would say I'm probably, if you're like the big picture, Somewhat upset about not being able to play at night. You and I think along the same lines. I'm all about TV exposure, but we also have to keep in mind that if you're trying to you know, fund the program, right. getting people into Allegiant Stadium is a gigantic part of UNLV funding across the board. The football program has to be profitable and take advantage of the fact that they have a much bigger building and they can make some revenue, and they had a good year last year money-wise, but a lot of people complain that, hey, you know what, don't go up against high school football. 
Um, I don't want to bring my kids to games at 8 o'clock at night, so hopefully that works. Um, The media poll is out for the Mountain West Conference. Boise State is picked to win. I think we're both going to disagree with that one. Um, My biggest issue, and I'm looking around to see. I don't want to get tackled (laughs) by a coach. I don't have confidence in Avalos, and their season also got turned around last year by Dirk Cutter. Yep. He ain't there. Well, and I would also so, argue. So that, that's my holdback. I think, listen, their talent's pretty good. It's not as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. They don't recruit at the same level, and, and I'm pretty confident saying they're not going to roll through this conference. I also believe the conference is more balanced now. Yes. So Boise by far picked to win a 1 through 12 conference now with, uh, what, 28 of the 37 votes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree with you in that I disagree with that, at least in terms of the lopsided nature of it. I even think, you know, look, uh, Tedford's done a great job at Fresno State, and they're not bringing it back a ton on offense, but what they are bringing in seems pretty talented there um, overall, like I said. That's a system confidence, yes. but especially on offense. Yep. Absolutely. He's a, he's a genius offensive coach, and when you're watching their games, they are hard. And Jake Hayner, was, he's really good. I think Mikey Keene's going to be able to handle it. Um, but what they run is really hard to defend. Of course, it, and, and there's a reason why you won multiple Mountain West titles, right, with different quarterbacks, too. Like, that's the other thing. So I, I would agree with that, that that, that program is going to be in a pretty good position. And there's just, I, like you said, I think just the, the bottom seems to be kind of rising up, and there seems to be a little bit more parity here this year than ever yeah. before. Like, I, I was going through a lot of the preseason stuff over the last couple of days. And looking around, I'm like, I don't think there's like an outright dominant team that you would look at here. Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico will all be better. Yep. Doesn't mean they're going to win more games, but they'll all be better. Um, UNLV doesn't mean that Barry Odom is going to win more games than the program did last year. But I think they're going to be better. Um, and then you start to look at the teams up at top. And by the way, here are the picks. Boise 1, Air Force 2, Fresno State 3, San Diego State 4, 5 is San Jose State, 6 is Wyoming. Colorado State might be – that might be a little aggressive off of what they did a year ago. Agreed. Uh, then Utah State, then UNLV in ninth. UNLV actually got a first-place vote in ninth place. Um, one Adam Hill – that sounds like a TV show. Uh, Adam Hill from <laughs> Cofield and Company in the RJ. It's been his mission for the last six hours to find out who voted for UNLV. He thinks it's a UNLV media member. I don't know that that's the case. It could just be someone who's a really big fan of what UNLV has and what Barry Odom could do. Stop. You think it's local? Uh, I've, I would say there's a very strong chance it is. And I would also say, how do I put this delicately, especially if Wallington's standing right there, um, you shouldn't have a vote. Oh, really? We're doing this again. Well, We're going to go back to, uh, what was this? What was, it, the, was it the Hart Trophy? Where all these people got all pissed off because one guy voted Connor McDavid fifth. Oh, because here's the thing: like, if you have, you know how I feel about this. Take away his vote. Uh, you know how I feel about this, and I tie it into the NBA stuff all the time. Like, you, this should be something you take very seriously in terms of your vote because you decide these things. And in all, it, in very realistically, if you are looking at this, the program could be better this year. I'm not taking away from any of that. Right. But there is no way in any chance that you should give a first-place vote to UNLV at this point right it's now. It's pretty aggressive. It is. And so I, I, that's why I think, <laughs> you know, aggressive. when you get these sort of things, like I, if I ever got a vote in anything, I would take it very seriously. You know, whether it is that NBA stuff I always bring up with you, whether it's any other award, whether it's any other preseason honor, whatever it is, you are honored given a vote. You should not just sit there and vote for the things that you like. You should realistically look at this thing and vote for what you think is going to be the best team. And that's, that's just not where UNLV's at right now. I don't like the allegations, though. That's my problem. And I don't like the threats. Not that I'm getting them. Um, what threats? But 
it's not. It's like it's not even like a. Th- well, the threat is you saying take a vote away. Um, but if you don't our, do your job properly, our, our good buddy Joe Arrigo, who will say Joe, he covers the program. Joe is more on the optimistic side every year. Yeah, and he was sending out tweets earlier like it wasn't me. <laughs> like, we don't need to do that, right? Just because he's a little aggressive with the win total each year doesn't mean that uh, one. He said he didn't have a vote, which I believe him. Mm-hmm. Let's relax. Let's relax. I don't think you this should. might be an Adam column. That's how worked up he is. Well, I an award winning column. I think it's a valid. It's a very valid criticism. Like okay. you should, you should it's take a good this. overall sports theme that you you need to take these things seriously and shouldn't have homerism. That said, I don't know that it was a a rebel person. A uh, quick timeout. We're going to bring on uh, one of the rebel players and ask him if there's a ton of pressure now. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Mount West Conference Football Media Day, day number one, Players Day. John's here. It's Cofield. Angel's helping us out, and we uh, get to sit down with one of our favorite guys from UNLV football, and it's Naki Fahina. I don't remember you doing a ton of interviews locally, so they just throw you right into the fire here, huh? You're no, doing a bunch today. Yeah, we had a me and Doug rehearsed on Monday to get me ready. Did you? Yeah, because uh, I was kind of nervous. So what Doug, goes into a rehearsal? Uh, just Doug having a, a list of questions he asking me, and then just me practicing on what I got to say. So Doug was a huge part you of. You should have texted us that. the questions. We'll test you on it right now. <laughs> what, what were you good at? Which questions? <laughs> So this is cool for you. Um, we were talking off the air about you know injuries last year, and you know being a football player, and not being able to <clears throat> go out there and be physical. What was it like? First of all, tell people what the injury was, and you know just how frustrating it was watching last season. Which maybe maybe a couple of big plays from Naki Fahina turns that into a, a six or seven win football team. No, yeah. So I had a Liz Frank, which is the ligament in my foot that holds all my toes together. So that completely torn. Um, it left my big toe hanging out by himself. So, um, no, it was hard. It was hard last season not being able to play with a lot of the guys that I had came in with to UNLV back in 2019. So seeing a lot of the players that uh, left the year 2022 was kind of hard because I didn't get to be able to, to finish off that season with them. So that was probably the hardest part, not being able to be out there to help my brothers in any way possible in the trenches. So I, I got to work sideline for a couple of games. I saw you, but you were pretty active. You know, you had a voice. You were talking with guys. Was that like a point of contention for you? Like, if I'm not going to play, I'm going to be around. I'm going to be vocal. But from that experience, what was that like for you? Is that something you wanted to do? Yeah, so I, I knew that even though I was out, you know, it's not much that I could, re, uh, I could really do with my foot, you know. Uh, so I just took that, that step. You know, if I can't be a leader on the field, I'm going to try to be one on the sideline. Uh, just being out, I just wanted to be the guy, you know, if we're down, you know, try to keep everyone's head up, you know, stay positive. The game's not done to the clock is zero. So I was just trying to keep everyone motivated and just, you know, keep that feel of football like I'm still playing, but like on the sideline type. You've been here a long time and you've been through three head coaches. How has that D line changed in terms of talent and brotherhood? Um, from the From the beginning of me, getting here back in 2019 all the way now to 2023 um we have gotten closer as a d-line um we've never bonded as much as we did now because uh, you know you you tend to like grow up as you go through college so um just being closer to our guys um it really changed a lot of things we're more accountable for each other um yeah we we do a lot of things way differently when i first got here i felt like a lot of guys were just like kind of in their own zone but 
now a lot of the guys were just bought in with each other. So we just try to make sure that everyone's on the same page doing the right things. It's funny how many times we hear that, you know, through the coaching staff that you guys have grown and that the individualistic stuff is gone. That, it, you know, if you don't operate like a unit, it's not going to work, right? Mm-hmm, correct. So let's, uh, let's build on that a little bit with your play. Um, over time, how have you gotten better? Uh, first of all, you've gotten bigger, which it's funny. You got shorter too, by according to one one uh, one listing here. But uh, I think they had you at six one two fifty five. You're bigger than that now. Yeah. Um, but you know, what have you learned from all these different coaches? How have you gotten better? Um, just taking uh, just taking you know the little things from each co- uh, coach that I've had. Uh, you know, going through three different head coaches, four different D line coaches. Um, it was kind of frustrating because you know they teach you one thing, the next one come in, then he teach you a whole different thing. Was there ever a time where you learn something from a previous coach, and then you're doing it, and the next coach like, that's terrible, that's not what you want to do. And you're like, wait, what's going on here? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah? We, we've had that moment before. Um, but these uh, Coach Boje, who was our D-line coach last year, and Coach Logo, who's our D-line coach now, um, they're very similar to each other. So that, that was a great thing about them. Um, both Polynesian coaches, both raised the same. Um, just the family environment that they bring. And uh, just the technique things that they, they teach was uh, was very similar to each other. It's just I look at Coach Logo as an a, a older Coach Boje. So that they, they were very similar in person. Naki Fahina is with us, so one of the defensive linemen for UNLV football. Missed most of last season. He's back from the foot injury. And now what is a very deep defensive line with a lot of competition. You mentioned the, the Polynesian background. Um, what is it about kind of the poly culture, but especially with the big fellows, the thick fellows, kind of the attitude on the O-line and the D-line? Um, so just coming from a, a positive background, um, you know, just growing up, if you're told to do something, like do it like right away. Um, so uh, we, we, we live by a lot of principles in our life, um, just holding, like just doing the right things uh, growing up. Uh, so I feel like that really ties in greatly with football and uh just teaching the other guys about like our culture and uh, uh, the standards that we hold within each other, just holding each other accountable and just doing the right things. We're always intrigued when we talk about defensive linemen about measurables and you know the, the size, the weight. Um, you're not the biggest guy, but if you talk to the players on the team, they're like, man, he's mean and he's strong. Um, <laughs> Is that all natural, or do you, can you kind of learn the meanness? Because you know, what I'm getting at is there may be guys who are they're recruited because they have the look. They're 6'4", 285 coming out of high school. So um, first of all, talk about the kind of the meanness and then where the strengths come from. Uh, I think the meanness just um, it just comes from how I was raised. Um, uh, growing up in a Polynesian household, uh, they're going to kind of build that tough skin. Uh, which is uh, so growing up, you know, with all the boys, you know, you just grow up fighting with each other. So that's that, that's where the meanness yeah. comes from. So um, yeah, that, that's basically where it comes from. John, are you listening and thinking back to your Gorman days, which you know sort of fizzled out after a while as a football player? And you're like, man, I wish I had brothers. Whoa, to play with. I, I mean, maybe I was meaner. It was totally only academics, not because of my physical, you know, limitations. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, you were, no, were going to be a big star. I was going to be a big star. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I, so, but speaking on that, to kind of expanding on it. You know, you you need that at this position. How do you like train? How do you pass that on to one of your teammates that maybe doesn't have it? How do you Im- 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 like imprint that mentality on them? Like, hey man, you know, if you're not really up there in terms of the toughness, the nastiness, how do you help them bring them along along that path? <laughs> so 
it's it's kind of hard with um someone who would come from a di- different background background who didn't really grow up with that. Right. Um, it's kind of hard to instill that in, in someone else who uh doesn't have the same uh, mentality as you. Uh, but the number one thing is like you you preach to them like it's either like you know you want to take care of your family, you got to do certain things. Uh, you got to do some things out of your comfort zone to really get there. So like. You play D line, you in the trenches every single time. You're you're hitting someone every play. So if you ain't got that mentality that, you know, the guy across from you, like if you don't got the mentality where you gotta punch him every play, is it's not gonna work. So you just gotta help them like get there. Naki Fahina, UNLV football is with us. You know, there's also, as I've learned over the years, there's also an unselfishness to playing defensive line because not everyone can just go balls to the wall and go get the quarterback and you know, while you were out I thought Darius Johnson stepped up a lot last year, mm-hmm. and it, there's times, man, that's a very thankless position. Like you got to make a sacrifice to set up guys around you and behind you. Yeah, so it, it all falls in down um, to helping everyone understand that this is a team sport. You know, it's, it's not it's not no individual sport where uh, you got to make all the plays. Like doing your job is the number one thing. You do your job, you made the play. Like you hold you you hold your B gap. And the running back coming to A gap, and the linebacker takes him. You did your job, like that's perfect. Like you're not gonna make the play every time. Like Darius stepped up a lot last year, and I'm glad that he he ended up coming here. Uh, he took the role of leadership on the D line, and I was glad. Uh, he he did a lot of things for us, from switching from nose to end. So, uh, props out to Darius Johnson for doing that. He he came a long way for sure. He's a fired up guy, right? Watching him on the sidelines yeah. when he comes. Uh, I, I want, it's actually it's one of the units I, I kind of hang around the most um, to get a feel for the game and also get a feel for how you guys are communicating. And I've seen a couple of blowups, and then you know it settled down pretty quickly. But it's I mean it is folks defensive line is intense, man, and it's just, it's such a battle. And then you're going against all these different teams to like we were just talking before the show, getting ready for a battle against Air Force is completely different than getting ready for a battle against Fresno. They're both tough. But they're different, and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot more thinking in the defensive line than people realize. Like I said, it's not just go get the quarterback. You mm-hmm. got you got to think. Um, so let's uh, continue to build on what's going to happen defensively. Now, this is a new defense, and it, you tell me, is it a much different defense than you played the three three five and your job up front? Is it much different than defenses of the past? Uh, hands down, yeah, it's way different. <laughs> um, at first, I didn't really think that a three down was like gonna do much because we're, we're so used to that forefront that we're used to um but since coach Shear had came in uh he's really changed my mind about it like i i would have never thought going through spring ball how chaotic that a three-man front could be so uh he's really changed the whole my whole thought process on that three-man front because that three-man front is dangerous I, I was wondering does the thanklessness of the job increase in a three-man front because it is a lot of it on its surface would seem you guys, hey, man, we got to tie up some gaps so everybody else can fly around and make some plays. No, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, all about, it's all about just holding your point because, uh, you know, nose guards most likely right. are going to take a bunch of the double teams. Uh, so majority of it is really just pad level. You, you have pad level and you, and you strike the O-lineman first, you'll be fine because that will give enough time for the linebackers to react and just come and fill the gap. So I feel like – just holding all that, that the point in the front is, it will be solid for the linebackers. Why is Dixon so good? Oh, Dixon's so good because he has a chip on his shoulder, you know. 
for a lot of people, for a lot of people, the prodigy size of a D lineman and a DN is a six four and, and up. Um, but me personally, uh, you know, for being a short D lineman, we do have a chip on the shoulder. But as you look in history, you have guys like John Randall, you have Aaron Donald, barely six feet, maybe six one, but. Um, yeah, he just has a chip on his shoulder because you know we're we're overlooked uh, as a D lineman with our size. So uh, he has he just has all that fire to to prove everyone wrong as as much as a lot of us do. Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys in talking to the coaching staff where they were like, we don't know exactly what we have, and then after a couple of weeks, we're like, there's going to be somewhere Dixon's got to play because no, yeah. he's so disruptive, he's so athletic, the, the twitchiness. All right, so what's the goal of the defense? Because uh, you know over the years you guys have gotten better. I don't think. The consistency has been there game to game like you want it. Is there a chance now to get to a level where, hey, you know what? The offense can be good. We want to be a top, you know, half of the league defense. No, yeah. That's for, that is uh, in our plan right now. Our whole goal for our defense is, is just to communicate, do our job, and be disruptive up front. Uh, we want to we wanna get every hat we can to the ball, every play, run around, do our job. So most of it is, is mostly just, just being um, – being our brother's keeper, just just doing everything that we can to to hold the front and uh, be able to um, hold each other accountable. This is a weird one. the The first two head coaches you played under were offensive guys, you know, background. Tony Sanchez and Marcus Arroyo. Is it different now that Odom, you know, played defense? He's a defensive coordinator. Sheer played, you know, pretty high level linebacker from what we hear at Missouri. Is it different for the players? For me, yeah, it's highly different because we're not used to having an offensive uh, a coach, head coach, you know. Because some guys, you know, they they want, field, yeah, he's, they he's, want they want they want the head coach yeah, as all, yeah. but you know. So the defensive coach makes a difference. No, yeah, it, it changed it changed so many things. The facility, like everything, is just aggressive. Like you're attacking <laughs> everything. Like I was gonna say, I picture more yelling. Like I don't know why, there's more yelling. No, yeah, like you're you're attacking every day. Even though even though he he's on our side. Yeah. He's also on the office on attacking every play, like a defensive mindset on the offensive side and on the defense side. So, oh, like, okay. we're just attacking everything. I like it. Continue to build culture, right? Yeah, and yeah, eventually that leads to winning. You're Whenever I go to practice, I would go hang out at the position of the defensive positional groups. I like the yelling. I like the, <laughs> I like the chastising. Well, you like Magazoo. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's, he's he awesome. likes He likes Damon because uh, Damon's a communicator yelling a little bit. Logo's a little quieter. Around us, he is. Uh, yeah. so I don't know if when he's up close to you guys, he's all fired up. Uh-huh. He's a little quieter. Oh, no. He'll, he'll, pull, yeah. he'll pull us in, the, in a little tight circle. That's <laughs> so that it don't echo out. But you'll, you'll hear him. You'll hear him. He'll, he'll, he'll light some fire over there. Um, expectations for this year. We mentioned the defense. You guys actually got a first place vote in the media poll to finish first. I think overall, what were they picked? Uh, I'll double check right now. I think was it was ninth, eighth or ninth. Yep. I think that's low. Um, so, what motivates you guys from a you know win standpoint? Because there's all the, those small things of doing your job, but in the end, you want to win. Yeah. So, what's the what's the motivation? Where do you guys want to get this year? And it's got to be another step, right? Yeah. So uh, we really, me and me, me and the guys, you know, we we really want to. Uh, step up this year and take over the Mountain West. Uh, that's the that's the ideal plan for us. We we really want to be like number one in, in all categories from offense to defense. Um, but yeah, the, that's our whole goal. But you know, everybody's gonna have their opinion on, on what they want to rank us at. But that's fine because like all those numbers right now, like we not we worried about it. But at the same time, we're really not because at the end of the day. Once the season is done, 
that's that's when it really matters. Yeah, I don't want to turn on my media brothers, but I'll just I'll give you a little insight. Um, I think a lot of times now with the transfer portal, that a lot of us, you know, unless you cover a program, you may know who came in. But there's so much change now that I don't think a lot of media guys know who you know who are the backups, who's going to emerge as a one. Um, I mean, in, in UNLV's case, do you think people looked and they're like, "Oh, Naki Fahina's back. Look at his right. numbers from a couple of years ago." Oh, Brendan Scott may be back, who was you know on the verge of being awesome. Oh, Jackson Turner's in now. You know, they've got all these all these transfers or impact guys. So do we? Ri- I, again, I don't want to rip the media for how they vote, but <laughs> they don't really know, and a lot of it is based on what you've done in the past and what the win totals have been, you know, in prior years. No, yeah, that, all, all those all those numbers in the polls and everyone voting for someone, um, it, it somewhat puts a chip on our shoulder. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, we know we know what we got to do and what we want to do this season. Um, we just, we just want to prove everyone that th- this is a, a program for people to reckon with. Um, we just want people to, because uh, a lot of people don't, know what UNLV is yeah. they don't know Vegas has a school so uh just building our brand and our program that's that's what we want to do so you've been through a couple of staffs is there an added pressure to now like help a new staff get off on the right foot in a first year I would I would say so yeah yeah uh, a little pressure on that um we, we, tr- we try not to think about it too much because uh, like other than them only been here what 10 months um, but it feels like they've been here for like two years. Really? Well, that's a good sign. <laughs> no, yeah. That's a real good sign. All right, Naki, we'll see you in a couple weeks out of camp, and thanks for giving us time. That was good. It was really good. <laughs> the practice and rehearsal worked out well. <laughs> yes, I appreciate there you. There you guys. go, Naki, a quick break. We're going to uh, get to more of the important people down here around the Mountain West Conference Football Media Day. Back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Now you know football's here, right? We're getting into it. Mountain West Conference Football Media Day. We'll uh, try to hook up with Barry Odom tomorrow. Eric Harper as well tomorrow, AD, at UNLV. Naki Fahina was just on with us. Um, I think his defense is going to be pretty good, and their defensive line, Naki's a defensive lineman coming off a foot injury. Uh, their defense is going to be better. Uh, I think their back end is going to be really good. They have a good collection of linebackers, and they've kind of collected mm-hmm. defensive linemen with a lot of experience. Now the, the key is, and this is the whole thing when you're picking UNLV football this year, it's a lot of newness. Yeah, a lot of guys on the roster are new in addition to those veterans, and they're learning a new defense. So we'll, uh, we'll break that down here uh, today and tomorrow. Right now, though, let's have uh, someone qualify for another shot at our Lotus Summer of Fun, uh, 364-1100. Caller 7, you call in, you qualify for tickets to an Aviators game, and then you're in for the grand prize trip. You qualify for a seven-day Alaska cruise for two. Or you can just take the cash straight up. That's $3,000. It's our take the trip or take the cash. Lotus Summer Fun, 364-1100. Caller 7 is the number. We're going to do that again later on in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to send it back right now to Damon. He'll take care of our winner. We'll catch up on time, and then uh, we're trying to uh, effort the uh, commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. We'll probably uh, talk to one of the folks at Circa a little later, some of the players from around the conference. Uh, Big day, big day the next couple of days as uh, football is back. We're getting ready for the season. Back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on, Circa. Mountain West Conference Football Media Days. John is here. It's Cofield. Gloria Navarez, commissioner. I was going to say uh, congrats on the job, but you've been on the job for a while. We just haven't had John yet. No, no, no. It's only been six and a half months. <laughs> uh, does it feel like it's been really long? Six and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, let's jump right into it. I mean, the last couple of weeks have been really crazy. I want to talk football, but um, the stuff with San Diego State, I mean, that's, I think, you know, you expect stuff like this to happen eventually, but that's quite a challenge coming out of the gates for the commission. You know, it's interesting. My first day as commissioner of the West Coast Conference, do you remember what I was dealing with? The Mountain West sniffing around Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've told people, the Mountain West was one of the original disruptors in 99. It was unheard of to start a new conference. And now it's our everyday. All right. So what goes into the decision? Who makes the decision? Because, you know, we know uh, you have a lot of power as a conference commissioner, but you're, you're working at the behest of the president. So what has developed the last couple of weeks with San Diego State and this letter? And I think they thought it was misconstrued. It was pretty clear to you guys. So take us down the path. And then the decision comes yesterday. Well, I, you know, I haven't taken the position that I'm not commenting on the details of the confidential board deliberation and everything else. Um, but philosophically speaking, I've told our schools, because of this environment, look, it's your job to do what's best for you, your school. It's my job and the board's job to do what's best for the league. Most of the time, those objectives align. And when they don't, we have policies in the handbook that dictate how to handle them. And they look a lot like the policies in other leagues. Um, and it's interesting you said, you know, as a commissioner, you have a lot of power. I don't think people understand. We have very little legitimate authority. It is really gaining consensus by the board, um, teeing up the board to make well-informed decisions. So why is it good for the conference to keep San Diego State around? Well, one, I think they we're the better for it. I Look what they're doing in basketball, a tremendous program. They have a great media market. They have high investment in their programs and success. And you know, one of the things I, I like about the Mountain West is, you know, look what we did for TCU. Look what we did for Utah. San Diego State certainly didn't come in at the top of the league. We provide a platform, and schools who invest and make the most of it really can excel to that next level. Can everyone work cohesively now, or is there going to be some egos that you need to massage along the way? Absolutely. We, I, we're in college athletics. Without this, it, we're in <laughs> egos every day. We are competitors. We are not friends. We're frenemies. <laughs> All right, so San Diego State is back for now. Um, how much do you, th- do you think you're going to have to deal with, with this moving forward with you know the Big 12? Sniff- you mentioned Mountain West Conference sniffing around. Big 12 could be sniffing around. We don't know about the future of the Pac-12. Hell, there could be a possibility that you, know, you guys are the ones who are sniffing around trying to add to this conference. And I think you know that it's become our everyday. I've said that. You know, people, how often do you think about it? We have a small membership committee, three presidents, three ADs, that look at this constantly. We're looking both at where we can be aggressive and extend invitations. We're also looking at who's that next crop of schools that can come and really, you know, with the shot to the arm that the Mountain West can provide and exposure and resources are on that trajectory that could really pop up to that next level when you talk to people around college sports or even let's you know i was going to say go down to fans but fans are important um how do you pitch the mountain west in the, in the, in the positives I, I think it's a great conference i think it's a very underrated conference you know john and i work along with unlv man the, the travel and some of the road venues are intense it's a tough conference to play in so some of the positives for people outside the conference because when they look at it they're like oh san diego state's leaving that conference stinks like it does not stink no and that's one of the things i heard loud and clear in my first six and a half months is the feeling that we aren't getting our just due in the public perception that we need a national elevation of our brand people need to know how hard it is to compete in the mountain west i mean we're not a bus league we are a airplane league and you know i think if you're in it you know it and i think my goal for our brand work coming up this fall is going to be to try to elevate that story how would you go about doing that elevating it so you know 
aren't target uh, the goal of having a conference the goal of competing together is to get the most teams in postseason at the best possible position and so who are our audiences in that it's the media members the people are creating the rankings but most importantly the selection committee so one of one of the key goals as part of our brand is that national recognizable um, gut feeling that when you hear Mountain West, ooh, that's a tough league. Or if there's a team on a bubble, like, oh, they came up through the Mountain West. Like, San Diego State's run to the Final Four was really, really incredible. But also, the lift we got for the other teams that went to the tournament really helped everyone in the Mountain West. So that's the kind of brand, um, I guess, halo effect that we're looking for and, and recognizable reaction. Where are the, the TV deals and the exposure at right now in terms of contracts and timeline? And then when do you have to start looking at those again? We have two more years. We'll go to market next year. So we're gearing up to enter that process. Is this a good time to go to market? This right now, probably not. I'm very excited about when we will be going to market for 26 because before us will go the Pac-12, the NCAA is currently out to market, and the uh, CFP playoffs. So we'll get a lot of market indicators about what's out there. And, you know, we have that Western time zone. Yeah. Uh, why should a group of five schools be excited, say, about the next couple of years? Because, you know, a lot of the narratives are, hey, it's going to shrink. Power Five is going to grab who they want, and then what's going to happen to Group of Five? It might just be a whole different football area. So what about optimism on that front? Well, what I like about the expanded football playoff, it is 10 FBS leagues, and the top six get that AQ. And as the Mountain West, we're really optimistic that we're looking at that sixth conference championship that gets into the playoff. I think we're well positioned for that based on the strength of our teams and the incredible group of coaches we have. Gloria Navarre is the uh, commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. One, um, I always thought it was disappointing for the athletes. Like, if you compete, you want to be able to control your destiny and actually get into that final run to get to the prize. And it really, it was almost impossible. So that's a good thing. And it's great for the fans, too. Yeah, and we have to credit my predecessor, Craig Thompson, who really shoved that boulder up the hill. That guy, Craig was working on that since 2009, and just last year it came to fruition. Deal. It's a very big deal. Uh, for you as a commissioner, and maybe you can echo the sentiment of uh, some presidents around the league, why does Vegas matter? First of all, why does UNLV matter to the conference? Well, no one could dispute what Vegas has become to sports, not just college sports, but the sports market. Um, UNLV is such a rich history in basketball and football and a lot of other sports of success. And, you know, it's just become the landing place for a lot of sport entities, the U USA, uh, basketball, NBA, NFL, like, you know, it's the world of hospitality. I mean, UNLV has the number one hospitality school in the nation. Uh, women's basketball has been, you know, the oh, leader recently. Thank you. Um, I'm remiss for having. Yeah, let's talk about so. Linda LaRock's program. And uh, they made the tournament last year. And yes, she's got do. a role and she's going to have a really good team again this year. Yeah. How fun are they to watch play and um, she's been a real leader in our coaches group, and, and I'm hopeful she's setting a standard that we're going to continue to upward trajectory. Well, you combine it with the fact that the Aces are here. They're 19-2. and two. They've got all these star players. It, Vegas actually has become a really important female sports market, and that not just for basketball. Yeah, and I think that's important, women's basketball, to market and play to the women's basketball fan. Sometimes there's crossover, but there's a very unique fan base, and I th certainly think the Aces started to really cultivate that here. All right, football season's on the way, so... I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but what do you expect from you know an attendance standpoint? I got to tell you, going around the conference and traveling, um, attendance has been okay, um, and I always wonder what the challenges are of start times 
and TV exposure. Like we're we're big TV exposure people, but then I also understand being in the arenas and stadiums. Like you know, Vegas really needs a legion to be more full. So what's your impression kind of moving forward, how you build the live gate again? Yeah, well, you know what I very much appreciate? Our fans show out. You know, even if you're, some of our teams are in a rebuilding year, we're still getting show out. But what I love about this footprint is when we have success, it really does pack the house, both in football and basketball. So to your point, yes, the more fans, we just need folks to come out and support certainly late kicks. That's our value to the media market. And in our cold weather venues you know it's not optimal for attendance so we do have to strike that fine balance in our next contract going forward but um it certainly is the value that we present to the media market we know you're slamming and jamming you got stuff to do so we appreciate a couple of minutes and thanks for having us out here at your uh, media days hey thanks for being here this is great thank, thank you. you there she is gloria navarez relatively new she right. said it feels like she's been on the job for six and a half months. Yeah, they, <laughs> six, uh, six and a half months uh, on the job feels like six and a half years because of all the conference stuff. So, mm-hmm. boy, oh, boy. We got to get to know her better. We got to crack the nut. Can you imagine getting the real behind-the-scenes stories? Oh, I mean. Because she, she was like, uh, there was a couple of bulldog statements that I really enjoyed. And I think I like Craig Thompson a lot, but he's very much an ambassador. And like she said, there are you know, as a commissioner, you can't be completely obnoxious because you represent all these institutions. And it is an institution. It's not just sports. But, my God, some of the stuff behind the scenes with San Diego State with this stupid letter and then almost, you know, kind of a threat that they're leaving. And then, again, like we're going back in history, you know, 11 years ago when they were going to leave once before and, you know, uh, there were threats of a second time. Now they got to come crawling back. And you, you wonder at some point if the commissioner and the other presidents are like, enough, enough. See you wanted to leave. We're broken up. Yeah. But they didn't do that. No. But I will say, I think there's a positive in playing hardball with one of the powers of the conference when they're doing these sort of things. Uh, and especially when you're this early on the job and just being like, all right, no. Like, you want to send a great. letter? Yep. There was no hemming and on. No. They were like, hey, your letter told us you are leaving. How much was it? How much was the fee, too? Well, it's $34 million yeah, 34, yep. or $17 million. And right now it's nothing. But you know what? They, they – uh, with that, the conference had money to dole out, and they, they had $6 million that they were supposed to give San Diego State. They're like, we're going to hold on to that until this is resolved. Yep. So that'll Good. freak you out at a state institution. It's a weird deal, man, at San Diego State. And I understand the titillation, the draw of going to Power 5, but you got to do it the right way. And it's funny, the, the San Diego State uh, experts that we've talked to will mention the school, that school's gotten a little out of control with their ego all the way up to the top. You... You're a state institution. The athletics department doesn't run the entire institution, mm-hmm. and the way they handled that embarrasses not just athletics, but the entire institution. I would say I hope they learned a lesson, but they didn't. The second that not. the second that they actually get confirmation that they're invited to the Pac Pac-12 or the Big 12 comes sniffing around and actually gives the invite, we'll be doing this all over again. But for now, I guess we have to manage it. It's the power of the conference, Steve. They deserve every <laughs> bit of it. it they, it's their conference. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I love that. The three or four schools are like, right. we wrap the whole conference. Yep. We're the beacon of light.